The book of Nehemiah holds many useful leadership and personal growth lessons for today's believers. It tells the story of how, after 70 years in exile, the Israelites returned home and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. They were able to worship God in their own land, but the city still lay in ruins. The once great capital of the promised land was a depressing rubble heap exposed to her enemies. When Nehemiah hears this, he sets out to restore the city walls. The book of Nehemiah is his story in his own words. The book of Nehemiah is about re-establishing God's people both physically and spiritually. Today, we'll focus on chapter 6 and consider how Nehemiah's legendary focus got a city wall rebuilt and a whole people back on the right track. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Today I'm really excited because we're going to talk about a topic that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of leaders struggle with, and that is focus. So as a kingdom expander, you have to have good focus if you're going to accomplish anything that God wants you to accomplish. And a lot of you have a, a tugging heart of a mission, something that God has asked you to do. And oftentimes what we call uh, the, you know, the shiny uh, object syndrome that people have is that they tend to want to, you know, grasp the next big thing or mm. get on the wagon of another thing because everything seems so enticing and you want to learn this course and you want to do this thing. And I've struggled with that a lot in the past and um, I can say that this is something that God has had to show me um, to be more focused, to get things done, to accomplish uh, things even for thriving on purpose. And even as an entrepreneur, there's so many great things, so many ideas that we have. We're mm -hmm. content builders, we're creators. So there's a lot of things that we're like, oh, I have to create this for my audience. I have to do this for my audience. Oh, that course would be amazing. And it's really hard sometimes to get laser focused and finishing that one course or that one task to completion and uh, so I really know that this uh, this scripture that we're going to dive into the story of Nehemiah we're going to focus on chapter six so um, 
in the scriptures, this man has such strong focus and there's so many golden nuggets to get out of this story that we really wanted to use him as a great example of how we can be more focused um, in our lives, in our businesses as leaders and entrepreneurs. Yeah, Liz, thanks for this introduction. Um, I think Nehemiah is one of the best examples in all of scripture on having a strong focus and a determined attitude to complete a task. Uh, maybe aside from Jesus and the Apostle Paul, I, I think he, he is just a, in that top tier of uh, legendary focus in the Bible. Uh, what he accomplishes is phenomenal, and we're going to see that. We're going to dive in chapter 6. We're going to use the message version of the Bible because I read it and I, I, I really liked the way it was worded. It was very contemporary, very easy to understand. So uh, that's the version we're going to use. And there's three reasons, three main reasons why I believe Nehemiah had such a strong focus and uh, his focus was set on rebuilding that wall. Number one, we see early in the story that he was a man of deep faith. He loved God, he loved God's people, and he loved God's law. Secondly, Nehemiah was a man of strong character. He was passionate about doing the right thing even when the right thing was very hard to do. And number three, Nehemiah was a man of purpose. It was clear, even if it's not mentioned, that it's not like God gave him a vision or anything. He just learned that the wall was in ruins and he basically was losing sleep over it. And he became very sad, very depressed over that. But like I said in a prior episode when we were talking about purpose, Sometimes your purpose can be something you're really, really passionate about, but other times it can be something that makes you really, really angry or really, really sad. And it's not always easy to identify, but in Nehemiah's case, it was clearly something that was getting him very, very sad and depressed. And he felt in his heart that he needed to do something about it. So he felt it, it, this, that was his purpose and his calling. He felt that was clear and he could not steer away from it neither to the right nor to the left. He knew that rebuilding that wall was a calling, a call on his life. And it made him very sick at heart. So these three traits, so his faith, his character, and his purpose, got him through accomplishing what seemed like an impossible task. And here's why. For the prior hundred years, for the prior century, the people of Jerusalem had tried and failed and considered rebuilding that wall. But it never got done. But Nehemiah, when he showed up and he assembled the people to do it, he accomplished the feat of rebuilding the wall in 52 days. And the turning point, in my opinion, happens in the whole story. The whole story spreads over 13 chapters. But in my opinion, it happens in chapter 6, where his enemies, who had previously mocked him for his ambition, when that failed, they were now trying to to put all kinds of obstacles in his way. They were trying to dissuade him from persisting in his endeavor because, guess what? They were seeing that he was about to succeed and it really pissed them off. So we're going to consider the anchor points of Nehemiah's legendary focus. There are a few vital lessons on focus I want to look at in chapter 6. And these are the instances that led Nehemiah to victory. So let's look at those. Number one, the first anchor point is Nehemiah's epic response to his enemies who try to get him 
off focus. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I read it from the message version of the Bible. And I'm going to, uh, li actually, Liz, you're going to read that. It's uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 in the message version. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it, even though I hadn't yet installed the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us at Kefirim in the valley of Ono. I knew they were scheming to hurt me, so I sent messengers back with this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down to see you? Four times they sent this message, and four times I gave them my answer. This is epic. This is, I think, the biggest anchor point in Nehemiah's focus. It's this answer. Four times they came to him with this message, and four times he said, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And it reminded me of something funny earlier because uh, when I was writing my, my book, uh, it was a work that took about eight, eight months. So I didn't do it in 52 days like Nehemiah. <laughs> and uh, we have three children. So I was busy writing in my office downstairs. And Elizabeth was busy with the three kids, driving her nuts a lot of the time. And I could hear her saying, Come up, come up, they're, they're driving me crazy. And I would answer just like Nehemiah. I can't come up, I'm doing a great work here. I can't come up. But see, him, him it was, I can't come down. Me was, I can't come up. But it's, it was a great work, I felt. So I just gave her that answer. But four times they tried to veer him off purpose, veer him off focus. And four times he gave them the same reply I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And you know that there's a difference, you know, when when you're doing something that you know that God's calling you to do or that it has to get written or it has to get done and you're laser focused and there's a pull that God's giving you to get things done. Like it, it's very clear in the story that Nehemiah was led by God to do this work and there there was a pull and he knew he had to accomplish this and in record time and he obviously had God's help. So there was nothing to derail him. He was laser focused and wanted to get that done for God. Uh, yeah, and, and likewise, I mean, as kingdom expanders, as believers in today's world, we know that God has given us a purpose, a specific work or works, plural, to accomplish. And when we set out to do these, these jobs, these works, these calling, put, do the thing that we're called to do, we're, we're supposed to have that, that same focus. And uh, in, the, in the Bible, we're often reminded of the importance of and the value of time. For the believer and the kingdom impactor, time is a most valuable resource. Uh, like Jim Rohn once said, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. So that's why time is so valuable, because it's, there's a limited amount of it. And, and we too, like Nehemiah, have to deal with people trying to distract us from our work. And sometimes the distractions can come from, like Nehemiah, an enemy, 
or the enemy. And other times it can come from the most unlikeliest source. It can come from friends or family. And that's more subtle and seductive. And we all have our mockers and our haters, those who tell us that we're silly or wasting our time when we do what God asks of us. And there seems to be a lot more that show up when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But we also have friends and family inviting us to all kinds of fun stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a good time once in a while, you know, going out or, or, or watching a movie. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's some people in our lives who, who will try to get you to come with them very often or to, to watch a movie with them or to, 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 do, to veer you off focus very often. There are some people who will uh, get you to quit what you're doing. They're going to say, like, quit what you're doing and come with me. We'll fill in the blanks, right? Like, watch a movie, go shopping, do this, do that. And that's why um, I really always... I really like to tell people that are trying to accomplish something, um, you know, whether you're in network marketing, whether you're in a home business, uh, whether you're a church leader, whatever it might be, there's always importance in blocking some time out. And it's really important to not get out of the zone. So I, I use that term a lot. I'm in the zone. Sebastian will say I'm in the zone when he's writing a, a blog post or writing the podcast. So we know, we understand that language means that it's, it's you're so laser focused that if you get out of that zone, it's really hard to get back in. Yeah. So when your mind is really sharp and you're really into it, it's important to not get distracted and, and for others around you to understand that you're in that zone right now. And that if you stay in that zone, let's say for an hour, you're going to accomplish a lot more yeah. than if you keep on getting out of the zone and, and, and trying to get back in and trying to get out and, yeah. oh, I have to go do this. And then, okay, I, I'm going to prospect a little. I'm going to do this. Like it's so hard to function that way that uh, you don't get much done. So you're better off blocking out two hours of your day and being laser focused. You're going to accomplish a lot more for those really important tasks, let's say those three important tasks that you really, really need to get done in that day, then, you know, kind of derailing because there's always somebody that needs you. Because honestly, there's always somebody that needs you. Yeah. It reminds me of Especially a conversation. Yeah, a conversation I had with, with a, a mom that was trying to grow her business. Um, and she had young kids and, you know, sometimes she had them in daycare. And during those two hours or three hours that she had that break, Uh, because she put them in part-time, she wasn't laser focused. She was more focused on, you know, doing other things that she knew needed to get done. And so when we discussed it, then she realized, you know what, it's true. Like those things I can get done with my kids running around and mm -hmm. kind of bothering me. Yeah. But that, that secluded time where you're just laser focused and with no interruption is gold for, especially for moms trying to grow their business because We all need that time, whether it's you ask your husband to watch over the kids and you go lock yourself in your office. You need that laser time focus because you'll notice that if you take that time, you're going to be way more productive and way more motivated to get your daily activities done, no matter what your business is. So I just want to add that in yeah. because I think it's really important for people to learn to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so number one, we saw like, There, there were enemies trying to veer him off his focus. 
Uh, and same for us. I mean, sometimes we're going to have people who don't have our well-being at heart. They're just going to mock us or, or, you know, like what we call in the vernacular haters. Uh, but I, like I mentioned, there's also friends and family. But the worst, the worst person who's going to try to veer you off focus, it's yourself. You have to take heed to yourself. We are often our own worst enemy. When we choose to, for example, sleep longer. When we choose to watch TV instead of making those phone calls. When we choose to go shopping instead of staying in and working. When we prioritize stuff we could have delegated instead of what only we can do. Just like Nehemiah, we need to tell ourselves and others, I'm doing a great work. I can't go shopping, watch that movie help you with the meal, whatever it is, when you're in that zone, you need to make yourself clear and, and set a boundary around you. You see, Nehemiah was building a wall. It was very figurative huh? of the protection of Jerusalem, but we need to build a wall around us too. When we're focused, we need to have that wall around us. Say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this and until I'm done that productive hour or two, like you were mentioning earlier, Liz, I can't come down. Yeah, and I want to add something to also another golden nugget that I had learned uh, a couple of months ago. I listening to um, to a podcast. There was an entrepreneur. He was talking about how he became laser focused when he started thinking to himself. Um, you know, when he was planning his week on the Sunday, and he was rested and he felt good in the Sunday afternoon, and he said, okay, I'm planning my week. What does my best self need to do this week? Yeah. I'm in my best state right now. Mm -hmm. So if I know that my best self has to accomplish this and this, I have to do my workout, I need to spend time with God, that's really important. Um, I need to get these certain daily activities done, these interviews or whatever it is that you know you need to do for your business. And um, if I want to be at working at my full fullest potential for God, what do I need to be doing this week? And when I'm done that week, I'll have really maxed out my fullest potential for that week. And he's, so he was explaining the importance of when you're in that state where you're in a good place, um, it's a lot easier for you to plan out your schedule to block your important things in your day when you're in your best self. And every time he got distracted during the week when things, you know, happened, his kids were bugging him, uh, you know, things happen, all kinds of things happens, right, in life. And he'd get all these distractions. He would say, okay, what was when I was planning out this week, what was my best self telling me to do this way this yeah. week? Mm -hmm. And if you always listen to the voice that tells you, uh, you know, no, it's a lot easier to just like, you know, binge watch a certain show yeah. instead of doing blah, 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 instead of doing your videos or instead of whatever it is you're supposed to do, then you're basically listening to the, the quitter side of yourself. You're yeah. listening to the version of yourself that's not so performing, that isn't performing at its fullest potential, yeah. right? And we see in the Nehemiah story that, he, you know, he was a, a, an upright man that had a lot of esteem and was close to the king and he was a, a good leader and he was working at his fullest potential. Yes, he and was. he did not want to get distracted by any other things. So he stayed in the zone for 52 days, which is remarkable because God obviously inspired him and helped him and gave his team what they needed to persevere. So I want you to think about that. 
I want you to think of in everyday life, like what is your best day where you feel rested, where you're in your peak state mentally. What is your best self and tell you? And what does your best self tell you how to plan your week so that you reach your fullest potential? Because if you listen to your best self in your best state and don't listen to the other side of yourself that tries to discourage you or 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 other like Sebastian was saying other things around you that derail you then you're going to say no I have to think like my best self in my peak state I was thinking I need to do this I'm going to do that and you'll be amazed at what you're going to accomplish in the next six months if you think that way that's really great awesome true be your best self at all times and if you're not your best self remind yourself what would my best self do <laughs> I like that <laughs> But now we're going to talk about the second anchor point of Nehemiah's focus. When they had failed those four times, right? Trying to get him down from the wall, trying to get him to stop the work. His enemies come to him a fifth time. But this time, however, they resorted to blackmail. And Liz, if you would read verses 5 to 9, that'd be great. The fifth time, same messenger, same message, Sanballat sent an unsealed letter with this message. The word is out among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Israelites are planning to rebel. That's why you are rebuilding the wall. The word is that you want to be king, and that you have appointed prophets to announce in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. The king is going to be told all this, don't you think we should sit down and have a talk? I send him back this. There's nothing to what you're saying. You've made it all up. They were trying to intimidate us into quitting. They thought they'll give up. They'll never finish it. I prayed, give me strength. Amen. So now we're seeing another, a very interesting turning point in the story where Nehemiah is basically brought to the end of his human resolve. So that it, his, his own human strength. Because they, they basically are blackmailing him and, and saying that, that he's trying to organize a rebellion so that he can become king. So he's rebelling the wall to, to, to take over the city and become king himself and uh, cause a rebellion to his king who sent him to, who gave him permission to go and rebuild the wall. So they, they're like, we're going to tell your king that, and don't you think we should sit down and have a talk? So they're trying to get him down again. But now he's brought to the end of himself because uh, he knows what they're trying to do. He knows that what they're trying to do is uh, false. It's just, they're spreading lies. So what did he do? And I like the last line that, that you just read, Liz. It says, I prayed, give me strength. So as his enemies tried to intimidate him into quitting, he didn't. But he knew that he needed the help of God at this point. He was feeling the difficult pressures of leadership at this point. So he asked God to give him strength. Sometimes, when you're doing the work you're appointed to do, outside influences will come and try to derail you. If it's not people, there are going to be challenges, difficulties to overcome. So they don't necessarily come in the guise of wicked people, like it's the case for Nehemiah. They can come, however, in the guise of lack of funds, unforeseen obstacles, sickness, whether yourself or family members, 
time constraints and hard-to-meet deadlines, unmerited bad reviews on your service or product. That's kind of a blackmail kind of thing. Lack of support or limited staff. Disgruntled employees or team members. And when those problems show up, and they almost always do for every big project you'll undertake, it's very easy to lose our focus and to give in to giving up. But he didn't. He stood his ground. And I like, I like his reply. I mean, even if he was shaken, he didn't show it. There's nothing to what you're saying. You made it all up. But then what does he do? He goes to pray, right? Because he knows that he needs God at this point. He, he knows that this is getting really, really hard from a human standpoint. So just like Nehemiah, when we're faced with such challenges, we must pray, Lord, give me strength. And I think it was Jim Rohn who said, don't pray for less problems, pray for more strength to overcome them. Right. And that's exactly what he does here. And I love, I love how, how his faith shines through. He's just like, he's standing his ground and he's not giving up, but this is getting tough here. This is really getting tough. And you know, I, I think a lot of Christians um, have this, and a lot of entrepreneurs too, have this false belief that the more money they make, the less problems they'll have. And you know, the more success they have in their business, the less problems they'll have. But you know, bigger church means bigger problems. Uh, you know, bigger business means bigger problems. And they just shift, just like when you were a kid and you had, um, you know, very little problems and you had to deal with them. Well, as you grew up, you had bigger problems. Well, it's a, it's the same thing. You know, God will give you a harvest, but he'll make sure that you have the right foundation to be able to withstand what else comes with that harvest. Yeah. So there's also, you know, difficulties and, and hurdles to go through. And I think this is a really good example of how, you know, we have to think that, it's part of life. You are going to have obstacles. They're not just going to vanish because you have God on your side. No. But you have God's strength to overcome them. Amen. And with your mindset that he's given you to sharpen, you can overcome a lot of things just by the way you, you shift your mind and you shift your faith and apply those two things together and, um, and ask God for strength in those moments. You'll overcome... Uh, crazy obstacles yeah and he who is in you is stronger than he was in the world so whatever comes at you always remind yourself of that hey he who is in me is stronger than whatever's coming at me exactly. whoever's coming at me so and yeah that, that's the right mindset for a christian entrepreneur a christian uh, kingdom expander and the third anchor point we're, we're getting at is i love this so he prays, Lord, give me strength, and God answered Nehemiah's prayer. And we're, we see how that happens in the following verses, verses 10 to 14. Liz, would you read verses 10 to 14 for the audience? Then I met secretly with Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabal. Sorry if I pronounce it wrong, at his house. He said, let's meet at the house of God inside the temple. Let's find safety behind locked doors because they're coming to kill you. Yes, coming by night to kill you. I said, why would a man like me run for cover? And why would a man like me use the temple as a hideout? I won't do it. I sense that God hasn't sent this man. The so-called prophecy he spoke to me was the work of Tobiah and Sanballat. They had hired him. 
He had been hired to scare me off, trick me, a layman, into desecrating the temple and ruining my good reputation so they could accuse me. Oh my God, don't let Tobiah and Sanballat get by with all the mischief they've done. And the same goes for the prophetess Noadiah and the other prophets who have been trying to undermine my confidence. Wow. Again, an amazing um, anchor point of focus here again from Nehemiah. Great courage shown here. Sometimes the pressure from the enemy seems so great that we feel that we may lose our life in the balance. And for Nehemiah, it was a real threat on his life now. Now they were threatening his life, saying they would come by night and, and kill him. Uh, you know, when debts choke us, and keeps us up at night, or when the backstabbing lies of co-workers get to the ears of our superiors, or when we feel like we may lose our health, or our marriage, or our reputation, or our job, or our house. That's when it's time for a different type of prayer. And I love the shift that we see in this passage. Nehemiah first prayed for strength. When the pressure was on, he prayed for strength. And this is amazing because in this passage, we see how God answered this. He says, why would a man like me run for cover? And why would a man like me use the temple as a hideout? I won't do it. In other words, I will not cower before those threats and do something to desecrate the temple of God. That's not the kind of man that I am. So he resorted to a different type of prayer. The first prayer was for strength and to stay focused. And it worked. And we see it in this like these the verses we just read. Nehemiah won't run. He's decided to bravely resist the threats of death before him. And he has conviction from God that this man was bought and paid for and lying to him. And I think that was uh, God telling him, like showing him that, giving him that, that insight. Okay? But Nehemiah isn't done yet. He prays yet again. And the prayer in verse 14 is a powerful one. And the second prayer in this chapter 6, it's more akin to spiritual warfare or what is called an imprecatory type of prayer. And, and that's what you pray when the battle before you is at its fiercest. You see, an imprecatory prayer is one that invokes judgment, calamity, or sometimes even curses upon one's enemies or those perceived as enemies of God or enemies of the good. These types of prayers are for God's more seasoned warriors, and they need to be done and practiced with much discernment. But we know that Nehemiah was a man of God, and we know, we know that he wouldn't resort to that type of prayer lightly. And, and we can see it just in the wording, Oh my God, oh my God, don't let Tobiah and Sambalat get by with all the mischief they, they've done. You know, and the same goes for, he names them by name, right? The prophetess Noadiah and the other prophets who have been trying to undermine my confidence. Why is Nehemiah so, so resolute in praying that? Because he knows that his work is appointed of the Lord. He knows he's doing a good work. Again, we're going back to that. So he knows this. So he knows that God hears his prayer. Even though as Christians we're, we're called to, uh, to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, there will be times, there are times, when the battle becomes so fierce and God will show you 
through the Holy Ghost that this is a time for such a type of prayer. So that's why Nehemiah prayed that prayer. And Liz, do you have anything to add about uh, imprecatory prayers or spiritual warfare prayers when, when the going gets really, really tough? Yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes a lot of Christians kind of don't see these things coming. You know, they, they kind of go through the wheel of life of all kinds of things happening and they don't understand why these things are happening. And I think, you know, for me, I, I, God's been like sharpening my mind in the last uh, few years uh, concerning that and I've been able to see it's like he's given me a discernment to see uh, -uh this is this is not right you know there's something there like the, yeah. you know the devil's trying to trip you and you have to see how there's snares in front of you and you have to know the difference and I'm not talking about seeing snares everywhere like no. there's some people that are so drastic they think that everything that happens everything to them is, is of always the of the yeah. devil but what I mean is, you know, there's, you know, life happens, but there are times where you're like, uh-uh, something's wrong here. Yeah. You know, this person's saying certain things like hitting me um, at a place where it hurts and, you know, the devil's using this this person. Like there's, there's stuff the happening that's... Things. And the timing of things also when you're at the, your weakest, that's when he likes to kick you. You know, there's different things that happen that you're like, no, this is, this is not right. And, um, and that's when you have to get on your knees. And oftentimes we tend to react to the problem. And in reality, we have to be praying a spiritual warfare kind of prayer because it's not, you're not dealing with that natural cause of problem. Yeah. You know, uh, you're dealing with you, the devil's work, yeah. work trying to rattle you and trying to get you to sin or trying to get you into anger or trying to get you uh, to to commit a sin or to speak a certain way that you're not supposed to speak or say a certain thing that almost curses you without even you realizing, right? Yeah. Because we don't even realize the power of our words and how... Oftentimes the devil will come and rattle us and then we'll say something that's so negative that in reality it's kind of you uh, wishing bad on yourself without realizing, you know, like when you say something like, oh, I don't understand why this always happens to me, you know, this, this certain thing always happens to me and I just can't seem to get anything right and basically you're cursing yourself because you're saying things that are going to happen and you don't want that to happen, you don't want to always have to deal with this and you don't want to always you know not know how to deal with this so you have to be very careful you know and even with my son sometimes like he'll he'll feel dumb about certain things he does because he has ADHD and sometimes he's very impulsive and he acts without thinking and he'll say oh I'm so dumb like why can't I always you know why can't I understand that you know I'm not supposed to do this or why do I always keep on doing this and and, you know, he has to be careful with his words. So oftentimes I'll stop him and I'll say, you know, you're right. This was a bad decision. I can do better. I can make those good decisions. I can overcome this. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to talk positive. So when you have those negative things that happen in your life, you have to learn to do spiritual warfare and say, okay, stop. This is not normal. This is I feel attacked right now. Yeah. And I know it's not it has nothing to do with anything but the devil trying to rattle me because he wants me to sin. Yeah. And you have to pray it off in the name of Jesus and say, 
and basically you have to talk to the devil in the way and say you're not gonna you know you're not gonna have my family you have no right over my family you have no right over my life over and my, my business i, I break i, I break off all curses all vexes and hexes against me in the name of jesus you have to pray these prayers because if you don't then you're not arming yourself properly and you have to pray and ask for God's protection and ask for that supernatural strength. There's been times in my life where the devil's kicked me down real, real hard. And I had to ask God for those moments of strength. Say, Lord, I'm not strong enough to get through this. I mm-hmm. need your supernatural strength. I, I say it that way. I need your supernatural strength. Give me your supernatural strength. And he does. Mm-hmm. You have to be specific. Yeah, and, and see, like in that passage, Nehemiah has, has that discernment. He's knowing that this is, I need to pray this now because it's, it's gotten to a level here of the escalation of it and the sheer force of it. He engages in spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare in the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament version. Uh, the New Testament is even more pronounced when we see instances. Um, one that, as you were talking, as I was reminded when when uh, Peter and Jesus talking about his coming upcoming uh, death and crucifixion, and Peter says it's, it's not going to be so, Lord, and it's not going to happen. And then Jesus turns to him and says, "Get thee behind me, who?" Did he say Peter? No, he said Satan. Yeah. Because in that instance, Satan was using Peter. Mm-hmm. To try to hinder Jesus from accomplishing what he needed to do, which was to go to the cross and get that done, get that over with. Uh, so it's the same way. And, like, and in- you know, p- people think that the devil's like, he, he doesn't have to possess a person, guys. Oh, no. he, all he has to do is whisper the right words to the person exactly. at the right moment yeah. and, and shift their way of thinking and say a thing that's going to hinder you. It's that simple. Absolutely. And, and, and he uses people and circumstances against believers all the time. And he uses, his, the, he uses you guys against your own self. Yep. Because all that Our negative mind. talk that you hear, those whispers, oftentimes that's him whispering those negative beliefs, those negative thoughts. You can't do this. You can't accomplish this for God. Yep. You're, you're no good. Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. And you have to stop those thoughts. You have to say, in the name of Jesus... I don't believe this. Get away from me. I don't want to think like this. In the name of Jesus. And then you start pro- proclaiming God's word. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You basically cut that right yeah. there and then. Yeah, at the source right there. And and there was a, this uh, this lady that, that I used to listen to. She had a podcast. And she was a, a spiritual warfare um, expert, I guess you could call it. So she was using her gift a lot. And uh, she was saying that oftentimes witchcraft practitioners or, or, or witches or will will try to curse Christians and 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 when she would sense that when she would sense either their presence because it's, it's, it's and I'm not going to get in deeper things but uh, sometimes they can dematerialize like get out of their own body and come into your house and I'm, I know I'm gonna freak some people out here but it does happen they can come into your house and and try to um, you know kind of cause you harm in, in spirit form. But she would recognize that. And what she would do is she says, I would pray to send the curse they were trying to curse me with, send it over back to them seven times stronger. <laughs> so, so she was not someone to be messed with. <laughs> she was this very sharp, Jesus. she yeah. was a very sharp lady. And she could discern when the enemy was working directly as either in the forms of demons or whatever but also she could discern when it was a person engaging in witchcraft 
trying to curse her, she could she was able to discern that, and she would just return it to them uh, seven times stronger. And you know, if you're not comfortable doing that because you don't have a lot of knowledge of spiritual warfare, that's that's okay. You know, the the best way, the simplest way, is to play some really good worship mu music in your house. Um, profess these confess you know, the scriptures God's scriptures yeah, that exactly. you know like god's promises, promises of god, protection and over protection over your life uh verses about strength and repeat them repeat them out loud that is the key a lot of people a lot of christians read and they don't read it out loud when you read it out loud it manifests in your life it manifests in the spiritual world and demons and devils hate that and they tend to flee so you'll notice that your mindset is going to be clearer. You're going to have a better thoughts if you're going through depressive times or if you're going through things that are difficult in your life. You want to anoint yourself with these things. You want to have these things in your life uh, day in and day out, professing them and hearing them constantly so that it gets rid of those those negative influences. Yeah. So I guess that will... We'll, we'll stop it there for the spiritual warfare uh, per, uh, portion of this uh, teaching. But it's it's fascinating how Nehemiah was able to discern all that. So the result of Nehemiah's unrelenting focus on getting the job done is finally found in verse 15 and 16. Liz, could you read that? The wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. It had taken 52 days. When all our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve. They knew that God was behind this work. Amen. Like who can build a wall in 52 days? That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Especially with the means back in the day, right? It's just amazing what he did. What all others had failed to do during this course of a century, Nehemiah accomplished in 52 days with a host of obstacles and threats to overcome. He did it by keeping his focus on two things. Number one, his calling. And number two, his caller. Amen. And we read, and then in Nehemiah's account in chapter 6, closes with these words in verses 17 to 19. All during this time, letters were going back and forth constantly between the nobles of Judah and Tobiah. Many of the nobles had ties to him because he was son-in-law to uh, Shekaniah, son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had married the daughter of Meshalam, son of Berechiah. They kept telling me all the good things he did and then would report back to him anything I would say. And then Tobiah would send letters to intimidate me. So it was a whole big uh, plot and scheme against him and during kept, this whole time. <laughs> and it kept, it kept on going. And don't you wish back in those days they would just name Mark, Matthew, Luke? I mean, that's <laughs> such complicated <laughs> names. <laughs> As I'm reading it with you, I'm sitting wow, these names. How would I pronounce that? <laughs> Shekaniah. Shekaniah. I, I wouldn't name my son that. But anyway, that those are the names in the, in the day. And uh, So basically, Nehemiah says that there was insane pressure, threats, blackmail and all kinds of people problems and even spiritual problems that crept up the whole time he was rebuilding that wall so that's what the verses 17 to 19 tell us so basically Nehemiah is saying so so yeah we did it in 52 days and all the all throughout this time this is what I had to deal with like to a, like to an insane level 
And that's just it, isn't it? One of the main lessons in the book of Nehemiah is that it's not because a man's steps are ordered of the Lord, the trouble won't rear its ugly head. It's not because you're doing the work the Lord has required of you that it's going to be easy. It's not because you're following your purpose in life that things will go smoothly. Chances are it won't be easy or smooth. There will be bumps in the road, backstabbers, blackmailers, problems to overcome. But if you keep your focus on those two things that Elizabeth mentioned earlier, you're calling to do the work and the caller who called you to do it, you will, just like Nehemiah, have victory. I think these are the two most important anchor points here to keep your focus strong. What is my calling presently? Because, you know, we talk a lot about purpose, but in your the, the, the scope of your life, there's going to be multiple purposes. There's going to be many uh, time, more, I guess you could say, smaller purposes. Like uh, for when I was writing my book, that was a smaller purpose. When you're starting your business, that's a smaller purpose. You have the scope of vision of what you're trying to accomplish for God. Let's say you, you want to stop human trafficking Well, you, and, and you start a website. Well, the website is a smaller purpose. It's, it's like a, a smaller piece of the whole operation. The bigger vision is to stop human trafficking, but you're going to start creating awareness using a website that you're building to, you know what I'm saying? So there's these smaller tasks. Our bigger purpose is divided into smaller goals or tasks that are attached to it. So all these smaller purposes, there's always going to be stuff that shows up that complicates matters that makes it hard for you to get to where you're trying to go. Especially when you get a revelation from God and you get this you know, vision of something that you're like, wow, you know, I know this can change my life. I know that this is going to change people's lives. Amen. And this is what God wants me to do. And you've got confirmation. You you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart. And you, you go from that moment. And then the next day when you start implementing, that's when the devil tries to give you those doubts because then stuff happens. Stuff and, happens. And, you know, these, you know, all kinds of things happen in your life. And then you're like, is this really God's will? Like, yeah. if this was God's will, it would wouldn't, be easy, it, wouldn't, wouldn't it, it be easy? Yeah. Like, why am I facing all these obstacles? It mustn't be God's will. There you go. And that's where you get tripped. Yeah. A lot of Christians will say, oh, well, they think because it's God's will, everything's going to be super, super easy and the ocean's going to open up and everybody's going to walk through and yeah. everything's going to be super easy. And, you know, there are times where God does open doors through favor and makes things easier. And it's fantastic when that happens. But there are other times, especially when you're starting something out, that God will, you know, want you to be laser focused and want you to... Um, to use him and and he wants to be part of that plan so he wants you to ask him um to work with him basically and and get his insight every step of the way if he made everything so easy for you you wouldn't need him so basically there would be no point so what you're saying is sometimes you're going to cross the red sea sometimes you're going to cross the desert Exactly. Sometimes he wants you to, you know, go round and round in the desert and, and have faith and trust him that he's going to provide for you. Sometimes it's about implicating him more, uh, you know, working with the Holy Spirit and asking uh, God for advice on certain things. And he wants to be part of the process. He wants you to have 
those stories, you know, that you can tell later on of how God worked in your business, how God worked in your church, how he worked in your leadership, in your life, you know, those wonderful stories, they're not, um, you don't hear them from people that, uh, you know, just everything just happened. It's always through struggle. It's always through prayer. It's always through, uh, asking God, uh, specifically, you know, and God showing up that you have these wonderful stories It's because the person applied their faith into action. Mm -hmm. They implicated God in every step of the way, you know, not just, a, a okay, help me do this and, you know, make it easy and we'll get it done. And, you know, it's not, it's not that it's a struggle. It's a learning curve. Every step of the way, it's a learning curve and it's God what do you want to show me here? What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. You know, I need the Holy Spirit to give me insight. What is the next next step in my business if you're at that place? Or uh, it could be, Lord, this is difficult. I need that supernatural strength. You know, it's difficult because I have this and I have that and I need your supernatural strength to pull it off. Yeah, and, and the story of Nehemiah is all about uh, everything worthwhile is uphill. I mean, is this whole endeavor, this whole uh, project, you read the book, it's all uphill. It's all uphill. It's very hard what he accomplished. He did it with a masterful hand. I mean, he, he was an amazing administrator, leader, and, and man of vision, but it was still hard. He still had a lot of things to overcome in the process. And that's why it's so inspirational. I mean, think about it. What inspires you most when you think about the Lord Jesus? The story of what he had to go through uh, when he went through to the cross? Or when he walked on water, right? Mm. Like walk, him, Jesus walking on water is, is, is a great story. It's, it's, don't, I'm not dissing it. But man, what, what do we admire the most about our Lord? Jesus walking on water or Jesus' perseverance through the whole process of going to that cross that he knew it was his purpose. Of course, we're always more inspired by stories where the, the character, the hero, the person has to go through hard times and that's why the story of jesus his sacrifice on the cross which is the ultimate sacrifice of all time inspires so many people across the world but also uh to a lesser degree the, the story of nehemiah, nehemiah is also so inspir inspiring for us because it wasn't easy what he did was not easy and yet he masterfully did it he didn't lose his focus the whole time he was there it was all about getting the job done no matter what and not veering off to the right or to the left. And I hope this podcast has inspired you to uh, maybe re-examine how strong your focus is and, and maybe consider what you can tweak and change in your own life to get that focus on track. Yeah, and I think a good question to ask ourselves when we're trying to accomplish something for, for God, for our business, if your business has to do with adding value to people and you want to uh, learn certain skills or do certain things that are going to bring you to that end goal that you have of that vision that God is bringing to you, to you, it's important to ask yourself the question, is what I'm learning, is what I'm looking at right now going to help me move forward towards that vision, mm -hmm. towards that goal yeah. that God's asking me? Or is this just something that I want to learn and I think it's cool and it's going to help me as a person, but it's not really going to help me accomplish this task. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, personal development is important. Spiritual development is crucial. 
and uh, getting closer to God, and it's all really important. But I'm talking about, you know, those things there that um, we get derailed with in life. There's all kinds of things that pop up. Uh, sometimes, like Sebastian said, it could be, you know, your mother-in-law that's always in uh, distress mode, always needs help with this and with that. And, you know, there there has to come a time where you say, no, I have to be laser focused and I need to do this. And this is what it's going to take. And you have to sit down with your family yeah. and tell them this is what's going to it's going to take to accomplish this. But I believe, um, you know, that this is inspired from God. This is something that God wants me to do. And I want you all on board, encouraging me and helping me out to accomplish this. And sometimes that means sacrifices from your family where, you know, they, they have to accept that there's going to be less time. Well, like you did uh, when I was writing that book, like yeah. you did that. It wasn't always easy. It was hard on you at, at times. Obviously, yeah, because, but... you know, he explained to me the vision of that book and I knew that it was going to impact uh, lead like a superhero. I knew it was going to impact a lot of young entrepreneurs, millennials, a lot of young people that are are needing leadership in their lives, but are not the type of people that would necessarily uh, pick up a John Maxwell team, uh, a John Maxwell book, right, and learn about leadership. So I really love the the idea that he would he was using this um, this the disguise let's say of the lens i guess the lens of superheroes which is a popular thing right now for many years uh that people can identify with a lot of young people can identify with and say okay yeah i've seen that movie i i know who that character is and learning more about leadership traits and leadership through that book and so there are also some Christian undertones. There's some verses mentioned and, and some of Sebastian's stories. So there's uh, impact in, in that way. But it's not a, a Christian book per se, but I thought it was really clever because I knew it would go in the, the hands of people that needed that in their life and didn't have that, didn't have that Christian background, didn't have those values, didn't learn that those leadership skills. And it was going to give them a good small, like a good foundation for somebody starting out in leadership and wanting to grow their leadership skills and not having a clue how to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Didn't have that background, didn't have that father teaching them uh, leadership and all that. So I understood the mission. I understood the vision of the book. And for me, because Sebastian explained that to me, um, I was able to say, you know what, this is important. So yeah, he is going to miss, m- miss some beach time, but it's okay with me. I'm going to bring the kids to the beach, let him, you know, be quiet and do his thing. And he was super productive. And when I come back, he was super excited. I did this chapter, I did that chapter, and I got this out. And this was amazing. And, you know, he was in the zone. It helped him get in the zone. And it, he was more productive and probably would have took a lot longer or maybe not even accomplished it if I hadn't been that type of wife that understood and was always nagging him to do stuff and was frustrated if he was writing if I had been that type of person I don't think he would have accomplished it honestly you know no that's for sure that's for sure so it's really important you know if your family's not on board with with your vision with your plans with your business you need to explain to them where this is going and and show them you know and ask God to show them as well to speak to their hearts you know if if you've been trying and they're not really on board with this and you need to ask God to speak to their hearts so that they're so that understanding they, and seeing the picture. So that they understand that, hey, 
he is doing a great work or she is doing a great work here and she will not come down. Yeah, because <laughs> she is doing a right great now work. they can't see the fruit of it, right? Yeah. They can't see what's going to happen once that's launched or once that's impacting people's lives. But you can help paint that picture with God's help. Yeah. You, and, and then you'll have a lot more, um, uh, you'll be a lot more focused because you're going to have people on board helping you out to be focused as well. Amen to that, sister. So that's it for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please share it with other believers. That we know that this topic is going to help a lot of Christian leaders out there. So sharing is caring. And I wish you a great week. So we'll see you next Tuesday. Be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 